Hello everybody, welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 221 is, from the Cane and Rinse listenership, David Grund, or Grund. I, I forgot to check. I always do that. <laughs> Grund, yes. I think Grund, in the with, original, the, with the upper U. In the original German, it was probably closer to Grund, but uh, yeah, Grund. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really happy to, to be on. You're very welcome. We had to, well, your your wife had to twist your arm because you were a you little were nervous. Bit. Uh, but we'll go into we'll go into the, the the history. Basically, I didn't know who you were two weeks ago, um, but then you sent us a, a, a lovely email on 29th of September, uh, basically saying thanks for making Kane a rinse um, because you've been ill and you're now no longer ill, or you're officially in remission. Um, and yeah, I mean, I didn't just get you on here so you can butter us up some more, <laughs> but, um, but perhaps, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about, um, about why you, what happened to you and why you felt moved to email Kane or Rinse. Sure. Yeah. So, um, about a year ago, I started experiencing some just random pains and, and symptoms of something. I didn't quite know what it was yet. Uh, mm. And it wasn't until uh, December of 2018 that I was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. Mm. Um, so it was, it, it's thankfully one of the more treatable forms of cancer, but still a very scary word. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was already kind of dealing with a lot of uh, anxiety and, and issues based around these symptoms that I was having, you know, night sweats right. and, and random chest pains and things that I didn't quite understand. Um, sure. So yeah, uh, Kane and Rince was uh, I was something I was very, you know, I was a big fan of already. I'd been listening to for several years. Uh but it became very important to me because it became um one of the tools that I used to deal with that anxiety through my diagnosis and through my treatment. Uh so I would listen and uh, I mentioned this in in the email that I sent, but I would I would listen at night a lot of times helping me mm. fall asleep and I would listen <laughs> in the car uh you know on the way to the hospital and and even during my my chemo treatments but um yeah it was just it it in that very you know the the best thing that a, a podcast can do maybe is make you feel like you're part of the conversation and i sure. i truly did i felt like i was listening to to friends and familiar voices that i had known for a long time so yeah amazing I, wanted to certainly thank you guys for for the hours and hours and hours that I spent, you know, dealing with with this treatment. Um 
you know, using your are, your podcasts, your work. We are grateful for your gratitude. It, obviously, it goes without saying that, yeah, on behalf of the whole team, it was, uh, it was a beautiful thing to receive. Obviously, with the... Uh, um, with the the news that you're officially in remission from yes. August, yeah, uh, obviously it would have been a a tougher read if you'd said that wasn't the case. But obviously that's fantastic news. Can we ask um how old were you when you got this diagnosis? Because it's one of those things that you know it's, it gets a lot of people at some point in their lives. But you seem like quite a young man. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm 30 years old now. Uh, I was right. 20 29 when I got the news. Yeah. Um, which so no it's just i mean it's, it's very hard i've not had this happen to obviously I, you know like most people i've known people with cancer i've lost relatives to cancer but i've never been in that situation it must just be indescribably terrifying yes um yes and no i i think because i was dealing with all these other symptoms beforehand mm. uh a lot of my you know anxious feelings were because i didn't know what it was so honestly once i got the diagnosis even okay. though it was cancer yeah. just being able to put a name to sure. it and and yes. you know have a plan to to treat it was kind of um a relief in a way yeah as a as a fellow anxiety sufferer myself um i one of the the sort of ways that i've used to describe anxiety to other people this is not to make this all about me um but is to say that when you when you have anxiety anyway um anything that goes wrong with you you will immediately leap you will catastrophize to the worst possible case scenario right uh so anytime you know if you are if you're in a particularly anxious state any little minor headache will become a tumor any you know any any chest pain will become a heart attack any visual problem will become uh, uh, meningitis or something and so that's your kind of natural state to catastrophize and I'm, I know we have a lot of uh, listeners people on the team who suffer with mental health issues and almost in in my experience in my life is that when really bad things have happened it's it's it sounds weird but it's never quite as appalling as the concept of the catastrophization, if you know what I mean. Yeah. They're, because you've got to focus then. You know what you need to do. People are going to help you. It's rather than this nebulous um, thing. But nonetheless, to get a, a diagnosis of lymphoma, still obviously, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what your doctors said to you, but um, obviously they, they have to, while saying it's very treatable kind, uh, it's, you know, they have to make you aware of the gravity of the situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. A lot of times dreading the thing is worse than the thing itself. And I certainly mm. found that to be the case. And um, for me, obviously, such a life changing thing. But for the doctors and the nurses that I worked with, it was just another day, you know, which is yeah. so impressive about what they do. Obviously, I, I don't think I could. I have the, the mental fortitude to deal with that on a day to day basis. But, you know, for right. him, it was just a Tuesday. And so him <laughs> him being so confident and so um kind of matter of fact helped me yeah it, it gave me confidence yeah. and uh yeah it was a very routine process for them as and you're strange. in america of course yes uh, well we say of course i can tell by your accent <laughs> yes. buffalo are you from uh no no uh lansing oh, like, michigan is where i'm lansing. where i'm located oh, okay yep. uh, is there more than one lansing or lansing uh probably <laughs> yeah it's confused your country is confusing yes to it's, us. it's not uh, not far from detroit i think maybe right. detroit is a good oh, point okay. of reference but um so you have the extra you know at least currently for now anyway uh if you get cancer here you've you've paid for your treatment already yes. in the uk yes. uh via national insurance um but in the u.s 
you have to have your own private setup. So that's another thing to worry about potentially. Yes, um, especially if you like me, uh, we haven't mentioned it yet, but I work for myself. I make yep. uh, games and release yes. them on Steam. So there's yep. no, the way we do it in America is so it makes so much sense to tie our health insurance with our jobs. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in addition to uh, getting me to come on this show, my wife, uh, I owe her you know basically my entire treatment too because she worked wow. worked very very hard to keep uh you know keep us on insurance and she works a full-time job so that we can um pretty much pay for for all the treatments and uh yeah we managed to get through it without breaking the bank completely so that was awesome that was certainly one of the the stresses honestly the the first thing of course yeah yeah, even they, if it's not the priority, it yeah. becomes part of surviving, doesn't it? Yeah, it was within a few days of my diagnosis that the hospital got me in touch with. They have a, a resident um, social worker at the cancer center, and that's a lot of what she does is just helps people deal with you know financial stresses and and make sure your mental health is up there too, because that's right. as important a part of your treatment as anything. So, absolutely. Well, it is genuinely wonderful to have you here with us. And as always, we've asked with community guests to bring some favorite tracks from the history of the video games music medium to uh, share with the listeners. And we opened with a delightful jolly piece from one of the many, 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 many installments in the Harvest Moon um, canon, Tree of Tranquility. It's not one of the ones I've played, actually. So this was a 2007 stroke eight stroke nine Wii incarnation. It was released by different publishers in different regions, as the Harvest Moon games tend to be. Uh, so was this one you played at the time? Is it a series that you're a particular fan of, or is it just the music that you love in this case? I really love the Harvest Moon series. I came to it, um, Harvest Moon 64 was my first one, so back in the right. late Second late one, I think that was. Yes. Or the joint second one, because I think they released a PS1 and a N64 one around the same time. It was around the same started. time. They shared assets yeah. and everything between That's them. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, what what kind of what I fell in love with was the fact that you could make a game like that uh, that looked like a lot of these other games I was playing, RPGs and and things, adventure games. Uh, but there wasn't any violence in it. <laughs> there wasn't any no killing things as a main. Don't even mechanic. take your cows to the slaughterhouse. No, as I no. <laughs> they just they have a little heart pop over their head, and you get a <laughs> glass of milk, which is I think how it works in real life. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I loved the fact that this was such a, you know, different kind of game than anything I had played before and continued to to play a lot of the old, other Harvest Moon games. Um, in fact, my first commercial game on Steam, uh, if I can plug that. Of course <laughs> very you can, quickly, of course. Is, plug away. Uh, anything you like. World's Dawn is what it's called, and it's, it's very much a Harvest Moon inspired farming sim. Right. Um, so I took a lot of what I loved about that series and, and tried to kind of do my own spin on it. Um, but yeah, Tree of Tranquility specifically was a Wii game. It's a little bit later on. Uh, my wife, aforementioned wife, uh, and mm -hmm. I played quite a bit of it together. Um, so at the time, I so I grew up in a in a small suburban town in Michigan. But for college, I moved to Chicago and went to school in Chicago, which is obviously a huge, huge city. Uh, so me mm -hmm. and her, uh, then my girlfriend. Um, as well as another friend of ours lived in this little apartment that was on a busy street across from a public park where, you know, kids were 
playing all hours of the day and night, playing baseball and having family picnics. And uh, there were sirens going up and down all, uh, the street all, all night. Um, mm. So it was a very loud and, and crowded and busy, bustling way to sure. live. Uh, and me being the introvert that I am had to find a way to escape. And um, the peace and, and solace that was sort of eluding me in my real life, I found through video games and especially yeah. Harvest Moon. So yeah, I spent hours and hours and hours in, in Tree of Tranquility just existing in that calmer, quieter space. Um, and yeah, this, this particular track, so Sunday Inn, is, mm. uh, it, it plays at the local inn, obviously, and it's uh, you probably don't know this. Everyone should know this. That's, of course, where my beloved Kathy worked and, and lived, so <laughs> I listened to that track quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, going doing part-time jobs there and and bringing my uh, in-game. Oh, it just happened to be in the neighborhood. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring, bringing my in-game girlfriend all sorts of various fruit cocktails and things. So <laughs> that's how you woo. Yes, in real life, I learned that well. well. <laughs> um, so, did your Harvest Moonlight game come before or after Stardew Valley? Uh, it was a month before. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So they and were they were in it, development simultaneously, and we no were kind way. of equally aware of each other. And the way that really? that game completely blew up, you know, yeah, more than most indie games, but honestly, more than most games in yes. general. Yes. It it uh honestly has kind of invigorated the the genre, and I think right. You know, there's uh, there's comparisons to be made in Stardew's favor, of course. Like it's it's a much bigger and more ambitious game than mine. Uh, but the number of people that have found Worlds Dawn by okay doing right. you know searches for similar games or um, that's a really charitable way of looking at it because you could have every right to be bitter. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I, I the, think the, the, it, I don't know how much money he's made out of that, but uh, yeah, I think if it had been closer to mine <laughs> if he was maybe slightly more successful than me then i then there maybe would be a bit of bitterness but honestly like <laughs> it skyrocketed to such a point where i just look at it and i'm so uh i just kind of laugh and i'm and i'm so happy that more and more people are discovering this kind of game um yeah. okay yeah that's really nice so remind us again so not so if you listener if you if you played the heck out of stardew valley <laughs> the next one you want to play is David's World's Dawn is the name of there it, and I, um, yeah, I will say there's there's less of a focus on the farming mechanics, which were never really what I loved about Harvest Moon. And more on the fruit cocktails. More on the fruit cocktails. More <laughs> on the wooing and the and the characters and the you know the life sim aspects, feeling like you <laughs> right. live in this little farming community. Beautiful, the pastoral life, which I understand is something uh, that you've also sort of brought in your uh, your latest game, which we'll talk some more about later talking about the bustling busy and sometimes dangerous streets of chicago crashing gear change into our first community pick for this sound of play this is requested by suits who says this is rad techno 90s banging beats i'm so up for streets of rage 4 if this is the direction it's taking which it seems it is so this is from the trailer because the game's not out yet not sure if it's going to hit this year i don't think so uh, maybe early next year anyway streets of rage 4's cherry hunter trailer by Motohiro Kawashima.
from the forthcoming Streets of Rage 4 uh, by Lizard Cube and Guard Crush Games. Lizard, Lizard Cube, who made one of the many, many um, current uh, Wonder Boy stroke Monster Island stroke Dragon's Curse remakes uh, that was successful a couple of years ago. So fingers crossed they don't uh, mess up Streets of Rage, but I'm going to take this opportunity to once again mention that uh, there's there's another uh, fantastic update of a of a vintage um, sort of horizontally scrolling brawling IP out there at the moment, and it's called Ninja Saviors, and it's by the amazing team at uh, Natsume Atari. And if you're looking forward to Streets of Rage Four, I think you should check out Ninja Saviors because I personally think it's an absolute banger. A couple of bits of video game music news that are timely, so I wanted to share them while we have the opportunity. This is great. BBC Radio 3 is launching a, a show with a slightly familiar sounding name. Uh, it's going to be presented by uh, BAFTA Award winner Jessica Curry, who we featured on this show many times. Sadly, not as a guest, though we've tried. But she will be presenting on BBC Radio 3 Sound of Gaming. Huh? And, uh, and our Jay wound me up with some artwork saying... <laughs> Jay did a fake tweet, um, which was from BBC Radio 3 saying, look, and here's the artwork for our podcast. And it had Sound of Gaming in our in our sort of logo style. And I was I genuinely for a second, he completely had me going. And I thought I was going to have to have a very serious and difficult conversation with BBC. But uh, but it didn't. It uh, it was it was Jay on the wind up. But anyway, that's starting from Saturday, the 26th of October. Uh, 3 to 4 p.m. It'll be available on that BBC Sounds app and listen again and presumably elsewhere. Hopefully people around the world will be able to get hold of it as well. I don't know what the what the deal is there. But obviously, this is UK centric. Uh, it's going to be a recurring four part series. So fantastic that video games music is getting that kind of level of mainstream recognition on a, a highbrow classical station like that. Um yeah, and hopefully, um, or the, at least uh, the video game, the National Video Game Museum uh, of the UK took the opportunity to, as they were uh, tweeting about that, they took the opportunity to give this show a, a shout out as well. So if any new listeners discovered us through that, that's amazing. And there's also, this is also UK centric, but the Near Orchestra concert is coming uh, later this year to London. Uh, I say it's later this year. It's actually early next year because that's the point we're at. Sunday, the 2nd of February, 2020 at 3 p.m. Oh, and it's already sold out. I've just looked. I'm so sorry. Well, you have to look for resales. Um, it's at the Royal Festival Hall. I think it's worth mentioning anyway. Apologies if I got your hopes up there. Tickets were 37 to £67, pounds, so not cheap. And the VAP package was £120. Um, but yeah, look for resales, I guess. Um, but again, what a fantastic thing, a near concert. Um, but you'll just have to make do with Sound of Play 210, which was our near Drakengard series special. Boo. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm here with David, David Grund, our guest from the community. And uh, we have another pick from you, David. This is from also from the mid 2000s. And uh We've played the, the, the opening quite a few times to, to Shadow of the Colossus, but this is the reprise of The Farthest Land. Why is this piece special to you? So this one actually isn't on, I don't believe it appears in the game itself, but it was in the right. uh, final soundtrack that was released in Japan. Um, uh -huh. I just think it does a really fantastic job of capturing the themes and the mood of the game 
um, all the instruments and and this uh, this obviously this melancholy journey through through the desolate forbidden land. I just think it it is very um, and evocative of of the themes of the game. And I and I will say, yeah, no, I I, I don't want to come onto your podcast and and make a suggestion or a critique or anything. But uh, if you were ever going to uh, do your Resident Evil Four style, um, where you <laughs> recorded on the same game again, I think Shadow of yeah. the Colossus would be right for that. It was one of your earliest episodes, I believe. It's true. It's funny you should say that. I was I was just thinking. Yes, uh, we did a Team Eco show back on uh, in issue four of the podcast, and that was when our genuine intent was to cover more than one game per show. Right, and it made sense. <laughs> it made sense then that this studio that had done two games. Uh, we would cover them both in one show. But yes, it's it's entirely possible, especially with the remake that's happened since then, uh, the Blue Point one. And that's actually interesting because Josh, who was one of the, the biggest fan, we've got several f- fans of Shadow of the Colossus on the team, particularly Josh and Jacob. Jacob, is, who's recently had a massive YouTube I was going to say, yeah, you'd hit. be able to feature yeah. YouTube sensation Jacob yeah, Geller on the Absolutely. On the show. Yeah, two and a half million views, possibly more wow. by now. Um, yeah, so yeah, and it would be interesting because Josh really didn't take to the changes in visual style that came with the with the with the Blue Point remake. So that would be an interesting discussion in itself. But obviously, it does feature the same soundtrack, or at least a, a slightly re is it re recorded or remastered? I forget. Anyway, um, but the the music's in there anyway. If not this track which is The Farthest Land, the reprise from The Shadow of the Colossus OST. Thank you. 
Shadow of the Colossus, PS2, PS3, and PS4. And it will probably work on PS5 as well, I think, um, the PS4 version. I think we can look forward to 100% backwards compatibility next generation. It's only taken the history of video games for <laughs> that to finally come about. I, still, I don't think it's still absolutely boxes ticked and locked in. But No, if they I, can find I, a way to make <laughs> us pay for it again, I think they will. <laughs> I believe that the Xbox Next and or Scarlet, Project Scarlet and PS5 will both play all xbox one and ps4 games that is my belief and the switch the next switch will also play all the previous gen switch games that is my belief <laughs> i don't, hope so that would be amazing yeah <laughs> don't prove me wrong and cross-platform online play across all three as well definitely <laughs> lock it in all right i will hold you to that maybe not um so what was interesting as well i wanted to say this is i'm not sure this is going to go anywhere but it's just interesting when occasionally I've had a few emails of a not the same as yours, but of a similar nature over the years where just somebody's contacted us out of the blue. Somebody who I'd hitherto been completely unaware of. Now, we have a certain uh, percentage, a small percentage of hyper engaged kind of fans who go on the forum and they like everything on Facebook and they share and retweet everything. And we love those people and we wish more people would do it. But it's very easy for us to have, like we have so much visibility of them, that it's easy to forget that we actually have many, many, many more thousands of listeners who we don't know. They're just, we're just, we're just sending this stuff out there and, you know, we see the download figures, but that is, that is until you reveal yourselves to us, that is all you are. Um, collectively important, but we, we know nothing of you. So yeah, if, if you, if anyone out there wants to take this opportunity to let us know that they exist. Um, remember that that can happen and you could end up, you know, coming on Sound of Play or whatever. If you make games, you could end up on the Sausage Factory potentially. <laughs> that has, yeah, um, it's been it's been my MO before. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a lurker <laughs> than I maybe yeah. would want to be. I um, really like consuming content, but do get a bit nervous when it comes to actually like putting myself out there and and uh, yeah, sure. Contributing. Yeah, I was I was much the same before I got involved myself um yeah it's it it's always worth remembering and um yeah often the the quiet lurkers are, are some of the you know the the nicest people in that they you know they're not desperate to kind of ram their opinions <laughs> down everybody's throat oh, well thank you that's a yeah that's a good way of looking at it i will say i did get one three-word review on the main podcast oh, cool. for the, the breath of the wild okay. show <laughs> i oh, was pretty well excited to, to hear that excellent was it a pun it was not no i i went uh earnest with my with my review uh, okay uh next track from the community this is a request it's been hanging around a while so apologies to Goodshot jansen but uh, this is another completely different kind of track from everything else we're featuring today which is what i love to do jansen says despite its cheesy fmv cutscenes and goatee generation x villain command and conquer tiberian sun is a bleak dismal depressing game this is a world that has been raped by an alien organism that drives the fires of the global economy as quickly as it drains the planet of nutrients. The few people left alive or without mutations must live in ever-shrinking inclusion zones at the poles, all the while seeking new and efficient ways to slaughter one another. It's a terrifying world Westwood Studios has created and lacks the whimsy and charm of the series' previous entries, much to its credit. As a player, this was a world I had given up on, I wasn't fighting for a cause or to save something, no matter what James L. Jones or The Matrix's cipher told me. 
I thought because in a dying world, it was the only thing left to do. The soundtrack does a decent job all around at scoring a future without a future, and one track in particular perfectly encapsulates this decay. It also sounds like it could have come straight from the grooves of an ambient Brian Eno album, which I also like very much. This is Ion Storm. Thank you. 
Frank Klopaki and or possibly Jared Mendelssohn. Uh, I think Frank Klopaki was largely responsible for that soundtrack. Tiberian Sun. Uh, I remember buying Command and Conquer compilations more than once and never getting as far as Tiberian Sun. To my shame. Uh, any RTS in your history, David, or is it, uh, do you prefer the, I, I noticed from your picks, there's a lot of uh, Japanese games and a love of RPGs and things like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did play a bit of, of the RTS scene back in the day. I um, Red Alert was the Command and, Command and Conquer game that I got into more, oh, yeah. more than any, but uh, I have always leaned a little more towards fantasy rather than sci-fi. So Warcraft mm. was the one, Warcraft uh, 2 right. and 3 especially. Oh yeah! Remember when Warcraft was that kind of game? Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange because I I don't have much experience at all with World of Warcraft, and yet it's still such a big part of the you know popular culture and and the lexicon. So I'll hear names and and characters and things, and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that person, but <laughs> it's not from where everybody else remembers them from. Yeah. Sadly, at the time of recording, Blizzard are not doing themselves an enormous amount of favours uh, among uh, certain parts of the gaming community with their response to uh, their <laughs> to response to Hearthstone player response to the trouble in Hong Kong. Um, there's been quite a lot of people diving out of Hearthstone tournaments uh, among uh, talking about Blizzard's uh, response and reaction, which appears to be motivated by. The fact that uh, the massive Chinese corporation Tencent has a share, so I'm not sure how that one's going to pan out. But um, yeah, I think my... I think people mm. want to look at um, the companies that make the games that they love and and just think that there are other people who love games too, and that's what they care about. But these are giant corporations, and uh, yeah, a lot of money moving around in some pretty shady ways, and it's kind of disappointing to to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my Blizzard app, battle.net, it says on the desktop. I don't know if it's still actually called that. Sitting there at the moment, but um, I'm going to have to... Gonna, I, I don't actually play any Blizzard games on the regular. I've, I did buy Overwatch years ago, but um, that game... I don't know if you played any Overwatch, but it's uh, it's a cool game if you like shooters, but the people who play it seem to be awful. <laughs> I mean, I could, not all of them, You could probably obviously. say that about a lot of games, I think. But yeah, it's, it's not really my style of game, but I do appreciate the, the artistry and the craftsmanship of it for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, super slick. Yep. Uh, another fine-looking, uh, somewhat cartoony game is the classic Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. And this is where your next pick, David, comes from. And this is the, the you actually hear a, a kind of um, part of this uh, on the title screen, but this is where it kind of expands and fills out into the staff role uh, once you've once again um, saved the flooded Hyrule in this case. Uh, so fond memories? Oh, yes. Yeah. The, the Zelda series is, is probably my favorite in all of gaming. Yeah. If I had to pick one, uh, I fell in love with Ocarina of Time first, um, mm -hmm. came around when I was nine or ten so i maintain that that was the perfect age for a game in a series like that to to uh, be old enough right. that you understand the mechanics and you're not you know stuck on a puzzle for hours and hours but young enough to believe uh, naively that there is no limit to this world and um yeah i just kind of remember exploring and and uh feeling like i was a part of this game environment in a way that i never really had before um and maybe even since until Breath of the Wild a few years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So yeah, I, I did would... you replay it on Wii U? Uh, Ocarina or oh, I'm no, sorry, Wind so... Waker. Yes, uh, Wind Waker. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, Wind Waker. Um, I, I picked this one honestly. I, it's not my favorite Zelda game, but it might very well be my favorite Zelda soundtrack. Right. Um, I just love the way that it weaves in classic Zelda mem- melodies, uh, but still somehow makes them all fit into this very you know light breezy ocean adventure feel. Um, and this this particular song, I wanted to bring this one. It's a very personal one for me. Uh, so my wife, who I've mentioned several times before, but I, uh, we got married in 2015 and this was the song that we chose to be our processional in our wedding ceremony. We walked up the aisle to it with all our, our friends and family in our wedding party. So, um, we, for our rehearsal, we played the song and we had everybody there. There were maybe 15 or 16 people in total marching up the aisle, uh, to this song. Uh, one at a time and we were trying to time it out there's a there's a part in the middle where it gets a little less uh you know upbeat and folky and slows down and um zelda's mm. lullaby comes in oh, so yeah. in our heads we were you know this would be the moment where she turns the corner and she starts walking <laughs> walking up the aisle and you know everybody stands up and and zelda's lullaby plays uh but of course the logistics of that were going to be very hard to manage with all those people walking and there's not any cure, yeah. uh, clear cues in the song or anything. Um, huh. So, yeah, we, we kind of got to a, a point where we were just whatever happens, happens, and it's fine. This isn't going to be something that we remember anyway later on. Um, so the day came, the time came. It was a mm. beautiful outdoor ceremony. It had rained a little earlier in the day. So in my mind, everything is just glistening and uh, the music yeah. plays and we all walk up there and it was timed perfectly somehow uh, without even trying she turned the corner with her with her father to walk up the aisle at the exact moment that the that the melody slows and zelda's lullaby comes in so a very sappy and and uh kind of silly <laughs> reason to love this song so much but um yeah i will always associate the warm memories of of this track with that moment Thank you. 
So that's Koji Kondo's staff role. Hasn't got a romantic name, but it has a romantic memory attached to it for our guest, David. And of course, we covered the Legend of Zelda series in full, pretty much, unless you count Triforce Heroes, which we didn't count. <laughs> I'm sorry, Triforce Heroes fans. I don't remember yes. listening to the Lynx crossbow training Kane and Rinse oh, episode point. either. <laughs> good, good point. I'm sure we, I'm sure we crowbarred a mention yeah, uh, for yeah. those in, yeah. Uh, there's a few, yeah, we, we, yeah, there's a few other spin-offs, but um, who knows? Maybe we'll revisit those someday, or maybe not. Uh, Kane and Rinse podcast issue 231 was our Wind Waker show. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, this may be a personal thing, don't know if you've even thought about it. Um, one of the conversations that I've heard in recent times from people who have been through cancer is that uh, one of the recommendations is that it isn't described as a battle. So traditionally, um, in the press in particular, in the, in the media, people will say, uh, you know, so-and-so won or lost their battle with cancer, but actually it can create quite a negative connotation in the sense that if you lose your battle with cancer, it's somehow your fault. Do you see what I mean? I don't know. If, is that something that's, that came up at all? And is it language that people used around you? Were you happy to use it yourself? Uh, I didn't hear that language too, too much. Honestly, I was pretty practical and matter of fact about the whole thing, or at least tried to yeah. stay that way. Um, I have in my life uh, tended to use those sorts of metaphors. Uh, yeah, you of know, course. and like yeah. the Zelda series where we were talking about is is a big inspiration of, you know, the lone hero, often young and underpowered, standing up against the forces of darkness. You know, it's easy to right. take that and associate it with fighting against mental health or against illness. Mm. Um, sure. But yeah, with this particular treatment, it was the the doctors and nurses were doing the hard work and, and whatever was going on in my body was kind of right. beyond me. You know, I just kind of trusted them. And uh, the, the way they say to stay healthy through it is the way they say to stay healthy throughout your entire life is just you got to eat okay. right and stay active and um, be hydrated. Yeah, be hydrated. Hopefully the yeah. The chemo, it's a strange way to look at it, but chemo is essentially attacking your body and hoping the cancer yeah. dies before the rest of you does, which is yes. an interesting, yeah, interesting way to look at it. But yes, yeah, the starkest way you can put it, but it's, yeah. it's absolutely right, obviously. Um, yeah. And did you find, um, is it one of those situations where people, you found people treated you differently? Did you find that awkward or was... Were, were the people or your support network were they very matter of fact about it and i know with with friends of mine when we've been in this kind of situation um there's there is there is a, a good amount of there's a huge amount of care and a good amount of tact and and sensitivity but there's also a certain amount of gallows humor and mickey taking and all that kind of thing there has to be i think i remember the first time uh, i made a real joke about it in front of my parents and had this right. moment of maybe i went too far <laughs> like maybe <laughs> too soon yeah maybe i shouldn't be joking <laughs> about this with people who clearly care so much but yeah yeah right. yeah they laughed i i think i what it was is i guilt guilt tripped them into doing a favor for me or something and it was yeah, the, the dark joke of well, I have cancer. You can't you can't manage that <laughs> <Yeah>. for me. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. You have to you have to laugh and um, find you know some some shreds of positivity. Um, they say I, it's the best medicine, but I think the chemo is actually probably the chemo medicine, one. But... <laughs> yeah, laughter two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I'm the reason I asked that, and apart apart from human interest, is also so it's okay if I keep telling people that cana rinse cures cancer, right? Sure. Yeah, of course. 
and you, maybe and not you on can a bro- trust me. I mean, that's uh, yeah, yeah, on a broad level, but maybe on an individual. You know, it, it was a targeted uh, treatment from, uh, that from happened to work in this one case. From my anecdotal experience, Canon Rinse is hundred percent <laughs> successful at curing cancer. Great, put that on the box from now on. <laughs> Next up. We have another request from our friend Mark Hoog uh, from a slightly obscure game, but uh, from a composer who we know from uh, Hollow Knight. Uh, Mark says, I got Expand in a humble bundle, and it was one of those puzzle games that really surprised me and drew me in. You're basically just escorting a red square through some ever-expanding circular mazes. But the soundtrack by Christopher Larkin actually turned it into a cathartic experience. Making my way through the final maze as the majestic 10-minute track closure played was an emotionally satisfying, as emotionally satisfying an experience as shooting my way through the airport in Max Payne 3 or escaping the tree in Ori and the Blind Forest. Anyway, that track is way too long. So here's a shorter one.
That was Follow Me by Chris Larkin from Expand, which is available on Steam for PC and Mac, possibly elsewhere as well. Uh, It's another one that exists in that space of games that have really strong reviews from the people who've played it. Um, Maybe it's better known than than I think, but um, but that request was my my first experience of it. And it looks like Christopher Larkin is not only the composer, but also sort of credited as co-designer. I guess that speaks to how integrated the music is with the game. So yeah, check it out on Steam or elsewhere. Expand is the name of the game if you like that piece of music. Our seventh track in The Sound of Play is from a familiar composer. I don't think we've featured this version before, but as I said to David when choosing his tracks, that's not the important part anyway. It's about bringing pieces that are important to you. So we're back in the the realms of the JRPG in the early 2000s this time, Final Fantasy X. Uh, Is it the game or the piece or what what moves you about this Nobuo Uematsu bit? Uh, both. I think they're intricately tied tied together um, in my mind. I, like many people, my first Final Fantasy is my favorite. So ten, I, I came right. to the series a little bit later than than a lot of people probably. But um, you're a young person. That's allowed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that first scene where you see the characters that you don't know yet all sitting around the campfire on the yeah. edge of, of Xanarkin, this ancient city that has fallen to ruins and this music plays to Xanarkin, I just think is, uh, yeah, very, very evocative. And, and um, it sets the tone for what's going to be clearly a very epic, but also kind of a somber adventure. So um, I I understand the how goofy that game can be in parts, <laughs> and it's certainly not perfect, but I have a, a very deep fondness for it. And um, yeah, when I was actually this this arrangement in particular is from the Distant Worlds uh, yeah. series of concerts, and I went and saw that while I was living in Chicago. Um, oh, fab! And the school that I went to actually is a digital media school, and uh, Uematsu came to speak at our school, so I actually got to to meet him and and shake his Wonderful. hand and get a picture and just tell him, you know, what I've what I'm sure he's heard a million times before, but just <laughs> how much his his music has inspired me over the years and how fantastic he's done um so yeah certainly not breaking any any new ground saying final fantasy has has the amazing music but i think this particular track stands out even among the rest of them
That was Tuzanacand, the distant world's two version incarnation playing thereof from Final Fantasy X, which first came out 2001 on PS2 and has now been released on many, many things. We covered it in our Final Fantasy series of podcasts, which we are now coming towards the end of. But uh, that was Kane and Rince podcast issue 373. And that was one that I very nearly finished and I did go on the show. I sort of cheated in that case because I still had a final boss rush to do and I still have and it's still sitting there installed. So if you started, David, with Final Fantasy X, have you gone backwards and forwards in the series and checked out all the others? Are you buying them as they get re-released on contemporary platforms or are the ancient ones just too ancient for you to be interested in? I have dabbled in the older, older ones. I've played um, probably four onwards, most of the main ones, at least, you know, a solid chunk of of the story. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I don't have much of a problem. And I think people who look at the games that I make will be able to tell the the top down perspective and the kind of pixel art (laughs) look doesn't turn me off or anything. So, um, Yeah. yeah, yeah, I for whatever reason 10 is the one that continues to to resonate with me but i'm i will say i'm very excited about the the 7 remake and the um yeah. whatever 16 turns out to be i'm i'm very much Who still knows? still invested in that series so i assume they're storing up an announcement for after the the 7 kind of hype wave has happened i i guess uh, but obviously each time the the making of these games is likely to get longer and longer um so it's been how many years now since 15 was it 2016 i think it was yeah i think it was late 2016 when it came out Yeah, so it's probably going to be yeah four it's going to have been around like four years before they even announce the next one it's probably (laughs) going to be another year or two before we actually see anything of it so which is crazy crazy to think because some of my favorite ones i mean you know the the series of seven through 10 are probably yeah. my some of the highlights and those all four came years. out yeah four years of those amazing of those yeah it's pretty amazing yeah i mean i assume there is there are still more than one sort of distinct team in action it wouldn't surprise me if 16 is already actually underway and a different team is making seven with probably some staff shared across the two projects but i imagine it's a it's a real production number over at square um but yeah it's yeah it's weird when you think how if you were a kid and you just played uh final fantasy 15 at the age of 12 or 13 or something you'd be waiting you know kind of another half your life again to to play the next one in the series uh and i remember you know as a child waiting for three years for the next star wars film and thinking it felt like the you know complete eternity right (laughs) how could these things take so long and now the uh yeah. You would have one childhood Final Fantasy game, and by the time the next one comes out, you yeah. wouldn't be a child anymore. <laughs> I know. Almost tragic. Not for children, this next one. This is from Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Simon Sloth requests a piece. He says, I'm playing through Wolfenstein New Col- Colossus. It probably isn't now because this was written a while ago. Hope you enjoyed it, Simon. Uh, I've enjoyed the soundtrack so much that I've been putting it on during my commute. My highlight of the soundtrack is the Kreisau Circle. I can't pinpoint where it occurs within the game, if I'm being totally honest, but it is a fine piece nonetheless. So here it is, Mick Gordon and or Martin Stig Anderson from Wolfenstein 2.
2017 now. That game's getting on a bit surprisingly. Uh, we've recently had more of Wolfenstein, but it was quite tepidly received at best, I would say. Um, I've completely given this year's Wolfenstein a miss. I think even the biggest fans among the Kane and Rince team may have dabbled, but were came away kind of scratching their heads. Um, yeah, bit bit of a shame. Yeah. I thought, if anything, they would, after some of the, you know some of the feedback to Wolfenstein Two, the New Colossus was less positive than the previous game. So I thought, if anything, they would kind of look at that and you know try to work out what what was not working but i don't know if they've lost some key staff or whatever is that a series that uh do you, uh, you like your whimsical of jrpgs do you like shooting nazis <laughs> uh i do <laughs> it's it's interesting the um i always remember this this quote from the book masters of doom uh yeah. which is a fantastic read about yes. you know id software in the early days of doom and uh, it's not an exact quote, but it's basically just how how much they all hated the game Mist, which came out around the same time, <laughs> because yeah. those seem to be on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. It's like you're right. you're either somebody who prefers Doom or you're somebody who prefers Mist. So I I certainly lean <laughs> towards the Mist end. Um, but yeah, I did I did actually play. Uh, was it New Order the 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 newest or the the reboot sort of? And yeah, and yeah, yeah. Liked yeah. it way more than I was expecting to. Um, but it was more for the the story and the the unexpected you know characters yeah. that I liked rather than the the shooting Nazis bit, which was fun, as it always is. <laughs> uh, we covered that one, Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus, in Kane Ridge Podcast Issue Three Six Two. We also covered the New Order at some point. You can seek it out. All of our podcasts that we've ever made are always available to download or stream at canerince.com. Sometimes uh, not everything's available on every podcatcher on Apple Podcasts, whatever. There are limits and uh, sometimes a glitch and whatever else. But I just want to stress, listener, that all of our podcasts are always available to download or stream. We have a website. That's what it's there for, among other things. And please venture over there. Don't forget our forum at canerince.com slash forum. You can request pieces for this podcast when we feature community picks we also have a, a twitter and a facebook and an instagram and whenever we do a show with requests in we'll pick from our list and can be favorites or curios whatever uh, anything with a story attached to it is particularly good please do leave us a review or a rating on whichever pod capture or um, client you use because it really does help us with visibility Apple has recently, in their wisdom, revised their categorization. So we are now buried under a mountain of fishing and driving and uh, gardening and goodness knows what else, leisure time podcasts. Uh, and so our visibility has tanked on that platform. So any review or rating is really helpful. Uh, don't forget our other podcasts. That's Kane and Rince that I've mentioned repeatedly, which is our deep dive review show comes out on Mondays. Playwright on Thursdays, where Ryan and Ryan invent games, and a Sausage Factory on Fridays, which is where Chris interviews indie developers, such as David here. Hopefully, that one will come up soon. Uh, if you've enjoyed this show and everything else we produce, do consider that minimum of a dollar a month. We encourage more if you can and are able to. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Rinse. The more money we get in, the better we can do. The longer we can keep going, uh, we should be able to. Someday, hopefully, make even more professional content and uh, kind of man it even even more thoroughly. Uh, I know it's hard to believe that we could do it better, but we think we could. In fact, we know we could. 
So help us out, dollar a month. It's only 20p a week in English money. Uh, and you won't even notice it's gone, but we'll notice it coming in. So, uh, although David is here mainly as a punter, as a regular guest, uh, and he was very clear, as I said, I had to twist his arm. His wife had to twist his arm to actually come on this show. But he did also mention in his initial email to us that he makes games, as we know now. Uh, so there's a new one, uh, which has just quite recently gone up on Steam Early Access. It's a very uh, modestly priced title as well. Um, and some reviews have already come in from users. Somebody called Delmona says, I have to say the writing of this game is on point and absolutely nailed the feeling of being a kid going on pretend adventures and playing with your friends. And Cyberine says this game is incredibly charming and atmospheric and I can already feel myself falling in love with the characters and the village. It made me involuntarily grin a few times, which is a glowing review in itself. So the, the game is called A Story Beside. So, David, is this your first no it's not we know it's not your first how many games in to your actual putting things on out yeah. there for people to play yeah is this, it? it's my second commercial release on steam um okay so the first one world's on came out in 2016 and this is the one uh the follow-up right and it's a jrpg style it is um so it's uh, a story beside the name comes from this essentially being a story beside the main story so Instead of focusing on the hero that pulls the sword from the stone and, and goes off to slay the dragon, um, the perspective is shift to somebody who would be relegated to the role of NPC in one of those, you know, classic games that we've that we've talked about, like Final Fantasy or, or Chrono Trigger. So I see you'll be familiar with the world from those games. It's it's top down perspective, pixel art look. Um, but you play as a very ordinary girl named Lyric, who is just kind of living her life in this little uh, mountain village on the edge of the map and these parties of adventurers uh you know the main parties in, in any other more classic rpg are just passing through the town and she you know barely gives them a thought as they barely give her a thought um so yeah it's it, it looks a lot like a jrpg it, it plays in some ways like a jrpg but it's much more uh personal and and intimate and emotional and sort of wistful as lyric the main character uh, narrates these memories from throughout her life and you get to kind of choose how her life plays out and um, who she chooses to to romance and who she chooses to spend time with. And um, yeah, yeah, I hope people like it. I think the people, as you were mentioning uh, with Expand earlier, the people who have played it so far and the people that are following it really enjoy it. I just need that that group to, to get bigger. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Know the feeling. Um yeah, so one of the things that uh, it's, it's very prominent in the trailer, and there's been quite a lot of uh, it, with among those Steam reviews, there's a lot of praise for the for the voice artist. So you've got an Irish narrator. I did, yeah. It was important for me to um, fill this uh, narration with a lot of warmth and a lot of um, personality. Uh, so it's lyrics, kind of older self narrating the events of the game. And yeah, I talked to a, a fantastic voice actor named uh, Nick Redman, and she did just an incredible job reading off mm. in a very, um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a casual, you know, lyrics, not exactly talking to anyone. She's not the most clever or most eloquent person uh, there is, okay. but she cares a lot about what she's talking about. And I think that comes through in the voice. Amazing. Uh, and so, uh, which brings us as this is sound of play. 
I hope we're going to hear a lot more about the game on the Sausage Factory. Yeah. Um, who did you get to? So did you do everything but the music and the voiceover? Is so it one of those one of those jobs. The music, the voiceover, and some of the art. I freelanced okay. out. I contracted out. Um, sure. I kind of put everything together and did all the design and development myself. But I leaned on people who were more <laughs> more skilled than I am in, in those more traditional uh, fields. So yeah, the the character portraits that are so beautiful and the the oh, soundtrack that is so yeah. I, I had a clear creative vision for it. In fact, the soundtrack um, is entirely piano which I yep. think fits very well with the wistful themes of the game. And uh, Peter Gunder is the name of my composer. He works for a company named uh, Bonix Music, located here in the States. And he has mentioned several times this was a very unique challenge for him to limit himself. He's a, he's a talented pianist as well as you know, uh -huh. a digital composer. Um, but just having to limit himself to the one instrument uh, was a very fun challenge. So... And I think he did a fantastic job. So uh, this this particular track is is a medley. Yeah. So it's a lot of um, the different melodies from throughout the game kind of weaved together. And it ends on Lyric herself. It's it's her theme. Um, and it just kind of brings, yeah, brings all the themes in and uh, the message of the game together in, in one piano track. Fantastic. Well, we're going to close the show with it appropriately. So thanks again so much for emailing us in the first place and joining us. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, yeah, thank you for the, again for the kind words. And most importantly of all, um, just, yeah, all the best uh, with your health for the future. And yeah, just keep on doing what you're doing. Um, yeah, how long and, did... And, and you too. I just want to say that um, oh. keep on doing what you guys do. You do an incredible job. And, and I know that for every person like me who's, you know, coming on the show and, and telling you that and sending that email, there are a lot of people who get a lot out of your work. And we'll no. never, you'll never hear it. You'll never <laughs> hear from them. So keep, well, keep that in you. mind and keep, keep it up. Absolutely. Will do. Um, so yeah. How long's this been, has this been in, in the works? Three years, a story beside? Just about. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. kind of been working on other things on and off, but um, this has been my main project for three years and it's, and it's, it's currently it's releasing episodically. So right now right. The, the first two chapters are out, out of seven. Um, okay, and I'm hoping to continue with a a biweekly. Um, so every other Thursday there will be a new oh, chapter wow. out, and by December of this year the whole game will be ready and and uh, polished and and launch on Steam to to great acclaim. <laughs> ah, fabulous! Well, perhaps we'll uh, we'll definitely try to tie up that uh, that uh, sausage factory with uh, with the full with the finished release. I think that would that will work nicely. Yeah, wouldn't it? yeah, that'd be fantastic. Mm. All right. Thanks again, David. And uh, we'll leave you with the closing credits medley from A Story Beside. What was the name again? Peter Gunder. Peter. Yep. Peter Gunder. G-U-N-D-E-R. Yes. It's very important. <laughs> OK. <laughs> thanks, listeners. Uh, and we'll see you next time on Sound of Play.